You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Hello, my name's Claire Jacklin and I'm Chief Exec of the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society. I'm joined here today by rheumatologist from King's, James Galloway, who's been involved in the National Early Arthritis Audit right from the very beginning. Uh, welcome, James. Thank you so much for, for having me here, Claire. We're going to talk a little bit today about, about the audit uh, and what we've achieved over the, the past two or three years, but focusing specifically on the most recent report about ethnicity uh, within the audit. So, James, to kick us off, could you give us a brief outline of the history of the audit, how it came about and what the, the main goals are? Yes, certainly. So the, the audit is the National Early Inflammatory Arthritis Audit. It was commissioned by the Health Quality Improvement Partnership and, and in its current iteration has been running since 2018. The purpose is to measure quality of care delivered to people with a, a first presentation of inflammatory arthritis and NHS services in, in England and Wales. And and it does this both at a very sort of real time level by feeding back to individual trusts on their performance and helping them benchmark performance on metrics such as how quickly people are seen, how quickly they started on treatment, but also outcomes such as whether or not people achieve targets like disease remission, so having no swollen or tender joints with their rheumatoid. And, and in addition to this, there's all, always an annual report that comes out that gives a sort of a state of play for, for the performance across the services that have taken part in the audit. Obviously, this, this year was a slightly different year because um, because of the pandemic. And, and so there was an opportunity here to do something different, which is where we had the opportunity to focus on ethnicity. Great. Thank you very much. Um, and, you know, it's it's been amazing how many people have been involved in the audit and contributing to the audit, not just um, rheumatologists and, and nurses from across the, the UK, but also the number of patients that are contributing their data, which is amazing. And, and we really want to encourage that because data is key to any quality improvements going forward. So when someone is newly diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, for instance, it can be an incredibly worrying uh, time and quite overwhelming. So with lots of information to take on board in those early consultations, how then are they being encouraged to participate in the audit? And what is the process, if you like, of, of taking part? What sort of commitment is it on the patient's perspective? So when someone first presents to the rheumatology service and, and is assessed and diagnosed with, with an inflammatory arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, then the clinician asks the patient if they're happy to return patient reported information about their symptoms. Now, actually, that's not essential for the audit. And we know that over half the people who we collect information on choose not to, to participate with the patient reported part of the audit. But if they do agree to participate, then it's a very straightforward process. And they're contacted by email or provided with paper forms um, at just three time points when they are first diagnosed, once more again at, at three months to see how they're getting on, and then again at a year. And the questionnaire bundle is quite a short set of questionnaires that ask them about their symptoms, about how the condition is impacting on them, and, and also on their work and other aspects of life, such as mental health. 
And, and the information they're collecting, although we're collecting it as part of the audit, it's actually information that's very helpful for their clinicians who are managing their care. So it's not just about collecting information just to audit. It's about collecting information that helps helps a doctor and a patient have a conversation about their disease and, and make treatment decisions. Great. And um, have you seen perhaps a decline in patient participation over the, the last couple of years because of the pandemic? I think in terms of the, the data going into the audit, has it declined in the pandemic would be, and in fact, th this is not unique to our audit. This was across the board. And and I, I think we, we had seen in the first couple of years of the audit pre-pandemic, substantial gains in terms of quality and delivery of care for, for people with, with rheumatoid. And, and I do have enormous worry about what has happened because of the pandemic, partly because I, I think we're not capturing information um, because it's been very difficult. And, I, you know, I, I, as you know, I was um, in a hospital where we many of us were redeployed and my colleagues up and down the country, the workloads have just been so, so changed by the pandemic. But I'm also worried that the recovery is going to be very patchy as how we're, how we recover in. And so getting the data back in and capturing information on how we're doing is going to be really crucial to understand which teams need support, which which teams need to, to sort of really, really look at their, their care and, and what they're doing. Right. And, um, you know, do you feel there's a there's a role perhaps for the patient organisations like ourselves? And we have been encouraging patients, but of course, you know, to, to really encourage uh, those who have participated in the audit to say, you know, how straightforward it is and also to um, encourage newly diagnosed patients to take part. Absolutely. And and, and obviously we, we've been enormously supported by, um, and, and particularly with the support from your organisation with NRAS in getting that message out and, and getting that encouragement out. And, and I think the, the audit, I, I hope, feeds, it's, it's a two-directional um, pathway. The information that the patients give us helps us feedback to to the wider population about how different departments perform. The recent audit short report on black, Asian and ethnic minority patients showed some interesting differences between this patient population and the white patient population. What really stood out for you, James? So, the, the metric that was most striking to me was about the proportion of people who get into a state of disease remission by three months, which was around 37% for white population and closer to 30% for the non-white population. So a, a, a difference that was statistically significant, but I also think a, a very meaningful difference in the fact that people who are coming from non-white backgrounds, as reported in the audit system, um, were less likely to, to have good disease control by three months of care. And, and that, to me, really stood out. And, you know, the stats that caught my eye were that the higher proportion of the BAME community were referred to rheumatology within the three working days. So it was 47%, wasn't it, that mm. um, compared to 43% of the white community. What do you think might account for that? So I think this is, this is a really in, interesting scenario where... It looks like the process measures are not explaining the differences in outcomes. So as you point out, that actually numerically slightly more people from a non-white background were referred within three working days, and yet the outcomes for that community are worse. And I think one of the questions is the differences between equity and equality. It's, it's I suspect, a whole series of differences that explain why patients 
who are from a non-white background are not doing as well. And, and I'll be honest, I, I suspect much of it is not anything to do with the colour of skin, but is to do with the whole complex interplay between socio-demographic factors, cultural factors, comorbidities and, and other related conditions, and also healthcare provision. And, and I think what we saw in the audit is that if you try and pinpoint one explanatory factor, for example, can we explain the difference in three-month outcome simply by saying they are taking longer to refer people from a certain group? That isn't the answer. The answer is always going to lie in a complex interplay of factors. Um, and and I, I don't think that's novel. I, I think we saw the Michael Marmot report looking at health inequality, which, which highlighted there's so many different factors that, that lead to and explain differences in health outcome in different communities. Yeah, and we've we've certainly seen that with uh, some of the work that we've been doing at NRAS around providing information in Hindi and Punjabi and Urdu, in that there is a quite a cultural difference about um, seeking help with, from the medical profession, and and perhaps that stat might be linked with when they people are presenting to their GP, they're actually at a worse state already, which is then. Uh, increasing the um, the time to referral because it's it's uh, or in, improving the time to referral because they're worse when they first present. Who knows? But um, we we have certainly found that uh, through the work that we've been doing as well. And um, the other stark contrast was that only 34% of BAME patients received a formal annual review compared to the 46% within the white community. But you know both however, fall short of what we'd love to see is 100 percent, of course, everybody getting a, a proper a holistic annual review. But what can be done to improve the uptake of holistic annual reviews for the entire RA population? So I, I think the annual review is a really challenging aspect of the audit. I, I'll make no pretense that the there aren't issues with, with what we're collecting and how we're collecting it, because I, I think we're still continuing to learn as a community what we all consider to be an annual review. There is no doubt the last 10, 15 years that has changed. And part of that links to primary care interactions and things being in or not in quality outcome frameworks in primary care. So I think there are complexities outside of the rheumatology community that contribute to what we're seeing here. However, um, I think you're absolutely right that we are clearly seeing a signal that annual reviews are, even at the most optimistic level, still below what we think they should be. I'd say two things that could really make a difference to annual review. One of them would be to improve the communication networks between primary and secondary care, because I believe a lot of what is needed to be done for, for people in terms of annual review, checking your cholesterol, reviewing blood pressure, actually is happening in primary care, but it's not being communicated. And this is to do with the sort of the wider NHS strategy about joining up health records and, and making sure that primary and secondary care have, have a seamless communication strategy. Absolutely. And uh, I know certainly from uh, one of my colleagues who's who had a, a really great annual review done in her primary care setting, um, and it is all about prevention. So, you know, that, but whether that information was shared with her rheumatologist, she doesn't actually know. So um, 
I think that there's probably more going on than than is being captured within the audit. You, you're quite right. Um, explain a little bit about the patient reported outcome measures. You know, for any patients that are listening to this podcast, why is it important for patients to provide such outcome measures as part of their routine care? Never mind just part of the audit. So it's 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 a absolutely crucial bit of of making decisions about someone's treatment as a as a clinician working with someone that you you try and reach decisions about treatment and make plans about things that matter to patients now i confess that as a a researcher i've spent many hours studying this thing called the das score it's a disease activity measure that we use in clinical trials to test new medicines in rheumatoid and it counts up how many painful and swollen joints there are and it does correspond very well with how bad the disease is impacting on a patient's life. If you've got more swollen joints, you will feel worse by and large. But but actually, it's, it, it isn't the same as impact. So you might have um, just one swollen joint. So you, you'd say, well, the disease isn't too bad. But if that joint is your shoulder and it means you can't reach and do a task that is essential to your quality of life, then that could have massive impact. And unless you get information for them to say, well, how is the the disease impacting you um it, it just it means you don't get that insight into how bad the disease is for an individual now you can i mean you can get a lot of this just by having a conversation and i hope when we have conversations with patients in clinic and you, you talk to someone and you say you know how is the, the arthritis affecting you you get a lot of that information conversationally but the challenge of the nhs is we will often have multiple clinicians involved in someone's care and to try and track something over time understand if someone is better or worse now than they were six months ago with a you know and do they need treatment changing then actually having a metric which is captured and documented you know you have a digital stamp that says your symptom burden on this date was at this level and now after a switch in treatment or on the same treatment it's this it really does help those those conversations about do you think you want more medicine do you think you want less medicine do you think you want to change medicine those conversations i think can be really supported by having a track over time where you can look back and say how am i doing so that I, i'm a big advocate for patient reported outcomes and, and i absolutely am as well and i uh, really echo that because of course you know it's one thing when you have a good rapport with your clinician or you're seeing the same clinician on a regular basis and you build that relationship, those things may be being picked up in that open conversation in a consultation. But when people are seeing different clinicians at different times in a big teaching hospital, might see lots of registrars or whatever, that, that level of comfort in talking about perhaps their mental health or their sleep is being affected or whatever may not come out but when they have that structure of working through a as you said a you know a matrix to capture that 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 makes all the difference uh, because then everybody's asking the same sorts of questions absolutely so just wrapping us up um we're coming to the end of a, a really interesting conversation with you james and thank you so much for spending the time today but um just thinking back on both both the BAME communities and, and the white patient uh, populations, we're still seeing, you know, less than 50% being into specialist care within that three-week window of opportunity. And, of course, because of the pandemic, that's going to be really, really difficult on the very strange rheumatology 
teams at the moment. But we had started to see some improvement between the first and the second year audit reports. Do you feel that the pandemic and the backlogs are are really going to push that back? Or, you know, what measures might be able to be put in place to improve that uh, going forward as we come out of the pandemic? I mean, it's really difficult to try and predict how the pandemic has impacted different services. Locally, in, in my service, we have actually been doing well in in the sort of coming out of the pandemic um, because the pandemic gave us the time to stop, restructure and start again almost from fresh, where we were able to really reevaluate how we were running clinics and and designing the, the templates. And, and also our triage processes had to become a lot slicker during the pandemic because we didn't have the luxury of being able to see everyone face to face for for many months over the last two years so i i don't want to paint a completely black picture that i i think that there's opportunities that have come out of the pandemic to look at services however i think for services that were struggling before the pandemic i worry that the impact and and the burden of work that has been postponed or delayed is going to have an enormous toll on care quality in some centres. I, I think this comes back to why I think the audit is so important. It, it allows us to actually measure this and, and where there are challenges with getting people seen quickly, we, we need to work with those units to say, what can you do? Because we have learned an enormous amount through the audit from the first two years um, in terms of which departments do well and why they're doing well. And and so we've got lots of resources and tools now available to work with departments to do QI, quality improvement work, to try and drive up care quality and, and speed up how quickly people are seen and treated when they present with rheumatoid. And I think that perhaps, uh, you know, now that the audit is so well established, people are beginning to realise that this isn't this isn't about, you know, pointing fingers going, you're not doing good enough, like you'd often think about audits. But it's about that quality improvement and looking at which units are doing well and how their best practice might be shared with those that are struggling. And it is about us all working together to improve the the whole system for everybody, clinicians, nurses, patients, the whole uh, gambit. So thank you so much, James, for uh, spending time to talk to me about the the audit, about the the most recent report on ethnicity. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. One, one final comment is that I must say that I, I'm very delighted to talk to you, but I, I'm talking to you on behalf of an enormous number of people behind the scenes who have pulled the, the latest ethnicity report together. So enormous thanks to a very large number of people. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.